Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Hello, I'm Rafael Martinez, a minister with the Church of God Cleveland Movement, once more at the helm of our podcast entitled, Where Are We Going? Thanks for downloading our program and keep spreading the word around your friends, your enemies, your plumbers. <laughs> We're still viewable and listenable on Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Odyssey podcast channels 24 hours a day, seven days a week. As we've said, we're going to continue releases at midnight on Saturday night as we have in the past. So this specific podcast uh, is coming out in the time it should be. <laughs> so uh, please listen in and invite people to come on in and, 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 and share in the discussions and the information that we're going to be sharing. This podcast is a production of Spearwatch Ministries, an outreach of Christian discernment since 1993 that's dedicated to helping people take heed that no one deceives them. Doing what Jesus in the gospel, according to Matthew 24, verse 4 said, we all ought to be doing to determine truth in a world that's rapidly falling into its own alternate reality of lies. Our podcast is focused upon biblical precept and social commentary, which exposes deceptive spirituality and provides perspective upon the influence uh, that we are seeing growing in our world, which is militating against God's lordship and which is actually a, f a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. We're going to be discussing that a lot more in the days to come. For upcoming podcasts, we'll include a look at the growing influence of artificial intelligence or AI that is, we are seeing rising in our world. This is a technological development that is clearly going to be taking its places in the days to come. When science fiction becomes science fact in the reality that AI is imposing among us, we'd better be ready to examine how it's going to be shaping our lives. The trend of escalating violence, corruption, and the dehumanizing lack of civil regard and love all around us are also a subject or two we're going to need to be discussing we're going to have a few guests visit us to discuss these and other things. One big subject we're going to be looking into is, is the disgraceful debacle we've had to go through in facing down the way in which cults routinely buy into alliances with profoundly warped churches led by corrupted pastors. That's another topic we're going to be getting into that's long overdue. Due to one such gambit, Two of our podcast episodes we had in the past with an ex-member of a cult who testified to this were pulled to help them escape a so-called pastor's unique style of pastoral visitation. So it was nothing less than legal and personal harassment of them just for speaking factual truth. That's an episode we've long been waiting to do, which we'll get into the other ways backslidden preachers who look the part are following the waters they flow on. For now, however, we're going to be featuring an interview with Amber, the wife of Colin, another Xenos Dwell survivor we interviewed back in January, whose own deep gaze into the black light of abusive cultism, expressed by a so-called cutting-edge non-traditional church, 
brings to us yet another painfully bought perspective to our podcast, which reveals in an even deeper way the darkness of apostasy that is spreading across our land. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, it would be like this. And so as she testifies to this, we invite you to listen in. Once again, thank you for coming in and tuning in or downloading us, as the case may be, our um, our, our Spirit Watch podcast, Where Are We Going? And we, we're so thankful uh, that Amber, Colin's wife, Colin Fitzpatrick, who we had on our show about, uh, about four or five months ago, uh, we're so grateful that, that, uh, you know, she's, uh, stepped forward and said she'd, she'd love to also, uh, probably help us, uh, unpack a few things, uh, in terms of what she's seen and done there and, and her perspective, anyone's perspective of, of this movement is, is, is valuable and useful because I believe everyone has a story to tell. Everyone is, is just as equally valuable as everyone else. And uh, I want to appreciate uh, Amber you coming on. I want I want to thank you for for joining us and for uh, being a part of our uh, our uh, work today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Good, good. I'm just excited to be here. So I know I haven't spoken to you with uh, we spoke with you guys together. We we had a there was a get together of former members of of Xenos, uh not too terribly long ago, back in April, I believe it was. And we had a get together at some really neat place there on, on High Street. And, uh, it was, it was really, really cool to see everyone together. And it's good to meet you guys. And then, and then we'll see you guys, uh, moving on and, and, and getting on with life. So, uh, how long were you both in? I remember just, re- just refresh our memories. I, I know that uh, Colin had been a lifelong member, but, uh, you joined up with him how long, uh, into your relationship? So I actually didn't know Colin at the time, but mm-hmm. I came in at uh, 2016. Um, that's when I started. And um, I met him actually a little bit later on when he came to my door and asked me on a date because we had a mutual friend. And so that's how it all started. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's right. So, so 2016 onward until I think it was about uh, – about a year and a half ago, you guys uh, finally left, right? It, it was the end of 2019, like yeah. the 28th or so. A little longer, okay. Mm-hmm. A little longer than that, so. And the and we he already shared with us a little bit about discussions of um, of why um, two people who just seem so radically devoted to uh, to Xenos's vision for the world to suddenly up and leave. Uh, I mean, it's and of course. As those listeners of our podcast understand that, you know, we've had quite a, quite a history here of people coming on and explaining why they've, they've left what seemed to be such a non-target Christian movement. And, uh, but as, but as Colin has shared, you know, there was quite a bit going on, uh, within the culture there. Uh, and he was a lifelong member of, of Xenos as well as his family. And, um, so when you came aboard, I mean, um, how was it explained? How, how did you, when you met him, how, how was it explained that, that he was involved? How was his, how was his, his, you know, just the whole relation of, relationship of, of you to him and the movement? How, how did it all come about? How did you, as he, as he asked you on the dates and you guys obviously had some fireworks going on there. <laughs> uh, and, and that developed, how did, how did he bring that out to you? And how did you start getting involved with it? 
So I was in about 2016 in the late summer. I didn't know him until about December or no, no, no. It was early 2017, like March. And so it was a little bit of time before I actually met him in the church. Um, I, I started coming around because, uh, one of the people that I worked with in Nationwide and Grove City, um, it, he and I were like in the same section of the department and we just became friends really quickly. And, um, he told me that he had this church and I was going through this really bad breakup and I grew up going to like a very fundamentalist Christian church. And at the time I was like out of that and I just wanted something different. And it seemed like everybody I knew who went there was very positive, very happy because there was a lot of people at the time who worked at Nationwide who were in Xenos. So I got yeah. involved with all these people just being friends. And so I started coming around to this guy's group and I was in that group for a few months and I made friends just along the way. And one of those friends was in Xenos and he actually was one of Colin's like childhood friends. Um, so the story goes that Colin and I were at the same party one Saturday. He saw me from afar talking to his friend and then later was like, hey, who's that girl? And so then he found out where I lived because I was living in a ministry house at the time. And it was pretty well known to me at this point how dating in Xenos worked, where you went on a date once a week. You may see them one other time during the week but you had your date night which was Saturday and every other day is pretty much devoted to everybody else that you're living with or in home church with or trying to reach out to so I was kind of fully aware at that point of how I was supposed to act when I dated and interesting right yeah. right <laughs> so before, yeah. we go, before we begin, um, okay, so you said you were not involved initially within, uh, Xenos, but you were, but, um, you had been going, attending, uh, you know, a very strict, very conservative fundamentalist church. How, mm -hmm. how did you journey out from there, from, from, from involvement with them to a ministry house? That's a pretty significant jump. How did that occur? Yeah, so I, my parents took me to, these churches and we left the church when I was about 16 and mm -hmm. then we went to this new church in where we lived in Grove City and I just never really got all the way involved in it I was kind of like it was I knew the same amount of people that I started out knowing like three years later when I left the church and I like I said I was dating that guy at the time mm -hmm. I had I had a very like I was just kind of really rebellious at the time as well. I'm very just like trying to figure out myself at the time. And um, so it, I was very turned off by that church. And so I was looking for something that was better. And it seemed like because I knew kind of theologically what I believed, I saw that Xenos believed similar things to what I always knew. Uh -huh. and it just seemed cool like 
they're the cool people and that's kind of their prerogative the the cool christians um uh-huh. right the cussing right. christians the smoking <laughs> christians the, whatever you want to say and so i just was like i i was very restricted a lot growing up and so mm. it felt like i was more free to be myself in that church at first okay when it when it was happy and nice and good times and good vibes right. at the you're, beginning okay and you're still in the love bombing stage they were everyone right. was still coming around you and they're so fascinated with you and they're so exactly. glad you were there so um and that's always, you know, the big honeymoon stage that everybody goes through when they're recruited in a movement like, like Xenos, where everyone just gets, um, just looks at you like you're the greatest thing since sliced butter. I mean, it's just incredible how, how, how much people really will, are, really will be under that kind of investment of time and energy by so many people suddenly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't before, before one, you go to the right party and the right kind of people, bam, suddenly you've got a hundred, you know, uh, BFFs, you know, and, <laughs> and it happens, you know, and it's, 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 you know, it's not, it's probably human existence everywhere, you know, and, um, but when you're a creep like Xenos, who is completely and totally devoted towards some rather insincere levels of schmoozing, uh, to get you to join their group. That's what happens. Uh, and, and so I, so I was curious. So, so I guess from there, uh, as you got involved more and more and, and apparently cool bunch of people who were more permissive and, and more, uh, you know, laid back and more open with, 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 with pushing the envelope of things that I guess it kind of drew you then, huh? Uh, towards, uh, their actual, um, big pitch toward moving in and become part of ministry house. Exactly. That's exactly right. I was drawn in by the love bombing and the care. And I do think that some of it was sincere, but some of yeah. it is definitely like a, it, it's an, a chore for when you get to the other side, you realize that that's what you're supposed to do. So <laughs> it's hard to view it as anything but that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was very much like fooled in, drawn in, and I made a lot of friends in this group. And then like right after, like a couple months later, Colin is at my door asking me on a date. And also my home church is splitting and I'm going to a new brand new home church all at the same time. And so it was a very big change for me at that time. And um, I, I always felt that from the very beginning of when Colin and I were together, people did not like us being together. It was kind of like, well, you're too new in the church and he's had uh, past relationships and trying to date a lot of people and da da da. It was always, it, it wasn't accepted because I wasn't in the right stage of life for Xenos to be dating. Mm. So from that moment mm-hmm. when I started this group, it was th- that kind of set the tone. Because mm. from that day, Colin and I have never been apart. We were together from the first date. Yeah. So. You, guys re- you guys really clicked. I mean, I, I, it's, it's obvious, you know, when we met you, you guys definitely, you know, you're, you're lost. You're, you, you care. You're, you're connected. You have a mm-hmm. commitment there. And, uh, but you're saying that 
by that human connection, by you grooving with another human being, by you really intense, being very intensely involved with one another, um, that your energy, your spent, it sounds to me like you're saying that they were what, but, but that there seemed to be a, a threat to, you, you seem to pose a threat, a challenge, uh, to the direction that, 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 uh, Xenos really wanted, uh, in, in Colin's life as opposed to yours. Does that sound fair? Does that sound about right? I mean, you should be, you should have been something else as opposed to being actually, you know, romantically involved. Exactly. That's, that's what it felt like for both of us that it was not, uh, like, not, uh, what is it, blessed or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it was just like, we weren't in the right place for that, apparently, because we can't make our own decisions as adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how old were you when you guys met? 20. 20 years old. So you're 20 years old, and you're telling me that, uh, that this is something that, that you find. Is this something that happens a lot in Xenos, where people just feel <laughs> orchestrated? Absolutely. It's, it's very much a thing. The dating scene is, it's a lot of times not explicitly said, more like a tone or like, oh, you really should think about that. Um, yeah. It's it, like the, the whole, you see each other on Saturdays and maybe on a Tuesday because that's the only days you, and that Colin and I, never stuck to the status quo so we always grinded people's gears i think as well in that regard so we we weren't the saturday only couple we hung out more than that and that was weird to people and it it was very much like a you should probably be like close to leadership probably like 25 if you're not close to leadership like to date somebody else and they should be on that path too. And so you're equally yoked and blah, blah, blah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because you were newer. Uh, you weren't, uh, you weren't a Xenos baby. You were not somebody who was culturally in that all their lives, who had all the connections, who had, who was already on the, the well-being path. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards where they felt he wanted, to go. and as, as and as Colin has shared, you know, he felt like he was being groomed for leadership. He was being groomed for, uh, for uh, you know, moving up in in, in the in the career uh, path, shall we say, uh, for uh, becoming um, a full blown leader. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that suddenly you came along, and and suddenly you were seen as a deficit, which is really. And insane. I, I don't know even know how to even describe it, how, how a movement can do that, but they do. And they have, and with impunity, they're able to immediately, you know, categorize you as someone who is either going to be, like you said, a, a, either a, a blessing or, or a deficit. And uh, this happens all the time though in, 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 um, in, um, Xenos and dwell and all the various social circles. There's this very tight control from, and, and, and who's, who's providing that? I mean, who, who are the people setting up the, the bad vibes? And, you know, and, 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 and why do you think it is that, that they just had to keep hanging in there on, and, and focusing on, on you? So it's kind of like a top down mentality in Xenos. It's started from the top and just permeates through. So everybody has a discipler. I had a discipler who was a married woman who didn't live in the house. But there were also other 
older girls that lived in the house who were leaders. Uh And so it's, it's kind of this collective idea of you have to be this certain way um, that's kind of said and unsaid. So in like discipleship time, I would meet once a week to read the Bible or read some book with this discipler and we would talk and it's never like a, a friendship that's built really. It's like, you're picked to go with whoever you are chosen to be discipled by. So like naturally my discipler and I did not, we weren't people that would have probably been friends. That's just, we didn't really like have that kind of click. And Mm -hmm. from the beginning, it was like, we were trying to be friends. And then for a very long time, I did not feel like we were actually friends. I felt like her chore. So uh, th- that is a big piece of it is your discipler um, kind of dictating what you should and shouldn't do, what you should and shouldn't pray about, what you should and shouldn't think about, just a, a lot of that. So Colin and I's relationship was topic numero uno of mm. our discipleship time. Yeah. It was something, there was always something to do with how Colin isn't good enough for me or things like that because I got to a point where I probably could have been a leader, but they didn't like my relationship with Colin and how I wasn't following the rules and that kind of thing. And so that wasn't something that happened for me because of that. And it was just constant. Like I even have an email that's like, 10 or 15 paragraphs long that we talked about in discipleship talking about should I or should I not marry Colin later down in the line because he's just taking me down taking away from my walk with God and all this stuff so it it was a lot wow yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, this, this young man apparently, you know, had been, and it, and it always seems to be in, in these, in these sort of counseling dynamics that I've heard, it always seems to be where the focus is more upon the career path of, of the, the male disciple, as opposed to the female. Mm-hmm. I think I guess you were expected to to uh to be to uh fulfill certain roles that they've mm-hmm. already had planned out for you to, to meet. You're mm-hmm. you're supposed to be uh what uh a, a wife and 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 inevitably a mother, someone mm-hmm. submissive to the program, someone who literally just just goes along as basically you know the, the trophy wife. Uh, for somebody, but, but really, why, why was Kyle looked down upon for having met you? I mean, you're telling me that your, your disciple said, oh, he's, he's not good enough for you. He's, he's a bad influence. Why would he be that way if he was a, if he'd been a lifelong Xenos member? And of well, course, being male. Yeah. Toward <laughs> the end, I think that it was more, he had kind of started to realize and recognize the, like hardships that he'd been put through his whole okay. life um, okay. and kind of disillusioned by the All whole right. thing, realizing that it was uh, over for him, I guess. Okay. And so 
like him not being as active in ministry or as active in consistent discipleship or I don't know even at this point what it was, but it was it was those kind of things where it's like, well, he's not going to lead your family for God, so he's not good enough for you. Mm, Even though at that point, I'd been with him for three years, and like almost a month or two after that, we got engaged. So like, (laughs) we were, it was toward the end, it was not the beginning. I, I was very much gonna marry him at that point. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah, your own mind made up, but apparently it's even not good. Yeah, and I, I, Never going to subscribe to that trophy wife life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, for what I understand, is again, it's it's a very it's it's a it's a reality. Mm-hmm. In in Xenos, I mean, you're you're meant to be something, and and the women are expected to be, you know, ornaments uh, for the guy, basically, and just fulfilling whatever it is that whatever sexist roles that they feel that they, 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 they can impose on women who are, of course, supposed to be obedient and doing what their disciples tell them. Yeah, and yeah. it's really sad, like, having had perspective outside of the church. Like, we've had time to decide when we're going to have a kid and when it fits into our life financially and, like, into our marriage and all that thing, all that stuff, where I feel like the opposite is true with well a lot of times you're like when are you having a kid it's like very pressury to have a kid and everybody's having a kid really early and trying to buy houses and buying up all the houses in the kind of not good area so that they can get a voucher to go to Calumet their school and just it's it's kind of a whole um process and a whole like expectation from day one of how you should live and how you should act from when you're dating to when you're married and that's it so you said that he when you when you you guys met in in 2016 and then things cooked up pretty quickly you know and you guys you know got into each other um was from that point on Apparently then that he was always at that point and what you're saying that you're implying and is that he was already struggling with even being even staying involved with Zenos and then that, that that word had got out to his disciples and, and everybody else so therefore you, so he was tainted and and then you were and then you were viewed as being someone that could, that was actually you know, getting into a very bad association so, does that sound about right is that what was going on behind the scenes uh, as people looked at you. I would say that that's true, but not for, like, immediately. Right. Uh, like, the last probably year-ish would probably be a better representation of that. But he, I think he said this in his podcast, too, but he was already kind of the black sheep with right. his whole story of how he had lied and confessed and then had, like, a black mark on him. So that that's where it started. Right. That's from the jump, it was like Colin and Amber should not be together because um, I was too new and he had this black mark. But um, 
apparently we're not forgiving Christians, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah, exactly. I thought they were the, 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 the smoking Christians, the cussing Christians, the uh, the tribal Christians. I mean, every, every ministry house has their own tribe, their own culture, mm-hmm. what they do, and you know. So with all of this, there just isn't really enough to be the forgiving Christians that you said, the gracious Christians, right? The ones with 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 the with the with the hearts. Uh, it was all clearly just uh, more of a cerebral thing that, uh, and the cerebral always tends to involve plans and agendas and that people impose on you, which they say is for your own good, and that since you're obedient, you'll just go along with it. Mm-hmm. And that agenda was very clear because I think I told you this, but that I was removed from the church. I wasn't actually, I didn't choose to leave. No. Well, tell yeah. them what, what, what happened there. Uh, so, <laughs> wow, it gets even deeper. So, you, mm-hmm. so here you are going along, you guys are you're butting in, and then you got then you got removed. What happened? So, Colin and I, we had sexual intercourse and things before. Oh, okay, all right. We were married. All right. And we came to everybody and said, like, we were apologetic. At really early on and then continue to be like oh we are not doing that anymore um okay but in all actuality we were but my at this point in my life my parents had moved to florida i was basically like on my own financially and like I I had no assistance in that way. So the ministry house was kind of like the only way that I could afford to live. And it it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because in my head, not telling that we were still doing bad things with quotation marks, I was preventing myself from having to get kicked out and preventing myself from the shame and the having to tell my whole deep dark secrets and all that stuff. Yeah. When reality is that that happened anyway. It <laughs> happened. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of human nature. I'm going to ask you a question. here. There's a couple of questions. Now that you brought that up, you know, it's mm-hmm. not something that I go looking to just talk about, but mm-hmm. this is a, this is a portion of, of, I mean, this situation you described, what you guys went through in facing that, uh, is something that is, that is so common to, to, to the lives, within the lives of so many who leave Xenos or have been involved with it. And, uh, I mean, let's face it, Xenos seeks a demographic. It's, it, it, it looks upon a certain segment of human society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and recruits them. And that's going to be young men and women at the height of their, of their youth, of their, of their idealism, of their energy, and of their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it, it seeks to recruit for them from that. And of course, being young men and women who feel what they feel, uh, they, they're, they're warned not to get involved in, in, in sexual intercourse or sexual activity before marriage. Or, or during the courtship, but it happens. It mm-hmm. happens. And and um, why is it in Xenos's view 
Well, I'm going to ask you this is kind of a pointed question, and, and, uh, but why in Zenos's view is, is sexual activity before marriage wrong? Why is it sinful? Why, why is it? I mean, I, I've got my own views of the course. I know, I'm, you know, but, uh, but, you know, why, why in Zenos's culture is, is it bad? And why is it something that everybody should flee from? Look at you, you can smoke. If you can drink, you can cuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why can't you make love? I mean, what's what's the problem? What's what's why is that one sense such a big deal? I have asked myself that question a lot. <laughs> um, I know that the like answer they would give is the plethora of Bible verses that say you should flee from sexual immorality and uh, that it hurts you and the other person that's their big thing is it's not a sin that only hurts you like a like if you're smoking a sin that only hurts you according to their philosophy but but it's okay to smoke and everyone everyone else right (laughs) after bible study okay (laughs) but vape even too if i understand correctly too Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah, so sex is looked at as you're hurting yourself and the other person too. So it's even worse. Um that's that's kind of the vibe that I got and just like I said I grew up in a bunch of churches. So to me it was nothing new cuz that's kind of the conservative view anyway is that uh-huh. sex is bad and so don't do it. Um okay. And so yeah, I that is like they don't view it like that after marriage. It's very much a, a ex, like exciting thing. Well, like, of course. yeah, I hope so. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're not like. I feel like sometimes conservative conservatives are like, no, you can never even talk about it. But it's not like that. But it's just very. It it harms both parties, and you don't know that that's going to be your husband or your wife, and that's what they think. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so bad. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess I asked that question because, you know, in listening to what the, in listening to what you share and you, and you're not alone, of course, you and Colin and so many others that, that we've talked to over the last year and a half, almost two years about people being sexually active. Um, it's, it seems as if, as if within Xenos, there's this desire for you to um, be pushed to the very edge of permissiveness. They allow you a, 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 what I would call a leash, a chain, and, and like a, like a dog run. They're they're going to let you take off and, and run as far as you can go, as long as you don't get past that dog run. That 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 the chain was going to let you only go so far into the yard and then stop you, bring you back. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when, when, and then, and it seems to be they, they assign different, different one of these different priorities to each of these for each individual type of, of, uh, objectionable behavior that they believe that you're going to live by. So, um, so if you and Colin, you know, being young, you know, red blooded young men and women, a uh, man and woman, I, I, I come together and, and you guys went ahead and had, you know, sex before marriage, um, 
if if it was if it was felt that it was so wrong, I guess my question is if if this is a wrong thing to do on the basis of whatever verses that they, 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 they I know I know they can bring up, which I know I can quote right here right now. About, like you said, about fleeing fornication and, and, and all that. I, we can bring all that. We can see what it says. If it is that wrong, then why is it okay for them to have a double standard with that and tell you it's wrong for you to have sex uh, with with anyone who's not your husband and and, and, and premarital sex being out? Why is, is that okay when you are, when they permissively allow you to engage in behaviors that they sanctify as necessary and as vital, which are just as damaging, just as spiritually uh, destructive, such as uh, allowing you to to uh, to persecute and harass people in disciplinary s- sessions in, in Xenos. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it so wrong for people to be allowed to drink up to a point which somebody arbitrarily says, "Oh, you've had too many. Stop." Uh, you know, why, 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 why would anyone even want to be involved or do anything that can lead you to that point of thing? But yet you're, it's okay. It's okay to go ahead and drink anyway. You can go ahead and have that Tom Collins or whatever the heck you want to drink. Whatever, whatever's, whatever's, uh, whatever hard lemonade or whatever, whatever rock gut <laughs> you guys get into, you know, after, uh, a good long hard study in the book of Leviticus. <laughs> uh, what, what, what can, what, what's, why would you want to be involved in it? So I guess what I'm saying there seems to be a double standard here. Uh, that I, I see that that they establish and and they they assign one sin above all as being the one that they really zero in on, and that's what I'm really getting here. I'm getting at is that how many people we've talked to have have, have fallen into temptation. And let's let's now I will, I will be biblical at this point and say it's 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 it's, it's 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 it isn't a good idea to have sex before for many of those same reasons, but at the same time. The, the main thing being the main theme I'm seeing here is that is that they can they can put this absolutely horrible spin on you for having fallen into that, mm-hmm. whereas you can be someone who who can cuss and can rip people down and and just just absolutely rip people up. Uh, but yet it's it's okay, it's permissive. You know, God understands. Um, I guess that. That kind of of uh, of, uh, of hypocritical double standards is what really is what I think people need to focus in on in understanding why 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 Xenos dwell uh, or the whole culture is 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 morally fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for them to come at you, I mean, I, 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 the way they do is just 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 it boggles my mind that that they could be so blind as to how abusive they are on one, le- on one level and not the next. Yeah, it's very true. The, like I just was thinking about how when you move into the ministry house, you have to sign or agree to this house covenant. And it's basically like you're con- not you're not actually contractually obligated, but you're supposed to follow these rules. And one of them is not having sex and not having boys over. Um, and also one of them is drunkenness. And I can't even tell you how many times the right. drinks flow in. And it's exactly like you said. It's like, when are you too drunk to, like, you've actually broke the rule, you know, like, 
I, I know that people drink and get drunk often. So it's not like that is really looked badly. Like maybe if they do it every day, then it's like, okay, you should probably stop. But that's really the only time. And they're not going to get put aside to a disciplinary meeting because they've been drinking too much a few times or whatever. Mm. Whereas with sex or anything of that nature, it's very like looked down upon. You don't talk about it. And that's why I felt like I had no safe space to actually talk about it Mm -hmm. because I didn't have a safe space. Mm -hmm. There was no space to say what was going on without being told to break up with him or that I was going to get kicked out or whatever it was without some severe consequences um, toward me. So Mm -hmm. that that's kind of a big deciding factor in why I chose to be more standoffish and not telling the whole truth because of that. And I I have apologized to the people that I lied to at this point. Like I have no, I've apologized to everybody that I affected with not telling the truth. But what is different is that I, I have since come to kind of figure out that I've apologized a lot. I've, said a lot of things but um i i spoke with my friend recently the the one person that i still will speak to she and i kind of had a heart to heart where i told her my truth but other than that like i've done all the apologizing nobody else has said anything to me i've been thoroughly cut off mm-hmm. from everyone mm-hmm. and it was absolutely a ludicrous ending because um, my husband, Colin, he was talking to his friend. That friend told his discipler and my discipler, I think. Mm-hmm. So my discipler calls me and or like into her house for our discipleship time and is like, I heard this. Is this true about you? I said, yes. And basically was like, yeah, it's, that's all true. And so then I had to go in front of all the ladies. This was one week later. I went in front of all the lady leaders of the church. And this is all based on their Matthew 18, which is just ridiculous. But um, so one week later, I'm in front of all these ladies. And I was told basically that I didn't listen, that I didn't want to talk about it. And after I'd been there for probably two hours talking and trying to figure it out and like basically avoid having to go to the whole church. Um, so then one week later I went to the whole church and I, in retrospect, shouldn't have even gone because it wasn't going to go my way anyway. Um, now what does that mean when you say, okay, Matthew, because this is back up a little bit. We're talking about the, the book of Matthew chapter 18, where, where there's this verse Jesus gives about, about talking about what do you do when someone's found in sin or, or a brother has offended you, okay? Now, if I remember correctly, the verse speaks about offense. If my bro- if a brother offends another, then you go to them privately, and then it, it escalates, goes from there. Jesus gives a, a specific chain of things that should be clearly done in terms of handling that offense. So here we're talking about offenses. We're talking about what people's, how people... Uh, you know, get you know, get into each other's faces, or, or, or there's or there's pressure or tension. 
but but is there room? So, so and then they, it sounds to me that they find the room to shoehorn sexual uh, immorality, as they call it, in, into there, and mm-hmm. then they build upon and use that as the way as as a forum. They create these these star chamber social interaction times in which people are drawn before groups of other people and told to confess. Yep. And, and told to, to, to spill the beans, to be honest, you know, and, and to confess your sins. Um, and, and then of course, it, this is, this can happen with any specific sin, but sexual sin somehow becomes the one horror, so-called, that, that has to be reiterated. I remember we spoke with one, per, one individual who told us this, actually a ghastly story that really opened my eyes about how she was brought before her house in the same way you were. And they just had me a group of uh, high schoolers visiting that day. Uh, and, and they got to be, they got the opportunity to sit in and listen how, um, this young woman who was, who was brought before the group for, for, her, um, you know, for her being such reactive with a boyfriend, uh, that she had to describe what she did. How long she did it? Uh, how long have been going on? In, in, in pretty explicit terms, and then at the same time, before all these young kids. I mean, mm-hmm. th- this is a sort of thing I understand is quite normal. It goes on quite regularly, and 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 that it's been then becomes part of this again this 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 horrible time of 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 of, of basically you know. What, what, the words fail me. I, I, it just amazed me how people are drawn before these these groups of people and told to, to just spill and to be totally turned inside out for anyone to look at. And mm-hmm. what, what's the worst of that? What what are the, what are they trying to get by you sitting and talking to them about that? And I, I, I don't know what you said. It's, it's none of my business. It's none of our business. But but. By them doing that with anyone, why, what's the worth of that? If there's already going to be a judgment that that you need to be booted, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> they they use it as a like. I think that there is kind of a decision actually made beforehand, so it's really yeah. not worth the time, really, um, based on how it went and all that for me. I was sitting in front of my entire home church. It was like 50 people um, at the time. Male and and female. Male and female. And I was ridiculed and berated with questions for two and a half hours, sitting front row, center. And I'm somebody who's not like super present. Like, I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't like that really. It makes me uncomfortable and so I I'm not really expressive when I'm nervous and Mm. I obviously was super nervous and it was just so that they don't care what you act like because you've gotten um they've already made a choice before you show up but the you could be not emotional enough you could be too emotional you could cry too much you could not cry at all you could have any of these things that they can use as ammunition to 
say you're not actually repentant, which that's what they claim is the worth, is that they can see your repentance through this. Because the actual Matthew 18, it says, I, I think it says if your brother, I don't know if the NIV version is different, that's what they use, but it's mm. brother sins against somebody or you, then you take them, like you take them aside and talk to them. If they continue to sin, then you take them in front of a group. If you continue to sin after that, then you take them in front of the whole church. So there was no opportunity for me to ever be repentant because, or like in their minds be repentant because I hadn't been honest and was doing these things without telling people. And so my whole process of Matthew 18, one person, the group, and the whole church happened with two weeks over Christmas and my birthday. So it was, there was no actual like following this Matthew 18. It was just the, 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 what they say they use. And so they consider the worth of it to be you can determine if somebody's repentant or not, but how you can do that and you're not God, I'm not sure. Yeah. But right, exactly. How do you determine someone's repentance? You know? That's the question. Uh, I mean, the, 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 I remember Jim Baker when he was discovered. Uh, when he when he was when he had had his affair with Jessica Hahn back in 1980, which I'm sure predates the most anybody in Xenos, but I remember those days. I'm a dinosaur from those days. I remember back in 1986 when he was being interviewed on uh, on uh, Good Morning America, and I remember him live on the on on TV just just being asked that very question, you know. Um, uh, that, you know, it was felt that, that many people at that time believed that he wasn't being repentant over what he had done and, and enough in the same way. They, they, there was a standard of, 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 of repentance. Uh, there was something he needed to share or, or expose that, that was supposed to prove that he did repent for his sin. And he says, he, he mentioned to the, to, to, I can't remember the name of the, the interviewer was, he says, well, how do you measure a man's repentance? You know, uh, how do you, how do you do that? How, and then immediately a scripture did come to mind in which Jesus, in which, I mean, not Jesus, but John the Baptist said to people approaching him to be baptized in, in Matthew chapter uh, three, I believe it is. I may be wrong. It's been a while since I read read that. But uh, in Matthew three, where, 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 the, where Israel was coming to be baptized, uh, and there John looks at certain people coming. He, he, he saw the Pharisees coming. He says, "You brood of vipers, bring forth fruit." Bring forth proof. Bring forth uh, uh, activities which show that you are repentant. So from that, guys, if a, a repentance per, if repentance means changing your mind, which is what it means, and you stop doing what you're doing, uh, then then that to them, I guess, would be the fruit that you would bring. Now, the fact that perhaps you had slipped and failed uh, because you loved uh, you loved Colin because you had done again and again, perhaps that wasn't enough for them, but it still doesn't justify the way you were treated. To me, when I, when I, when I read the Bible, when I read what it says in first John, 
where John says, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. There's a, there's a door by which, yes, you can fail several times, but which forgiveness is still God's to give, not men's, not mm-hmm. a group, not a mandate. But that just doesn't fly in Xenos. That's one of the reasons why I have called it a heretical movement because it pushes truth that isn't there. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's probably a good idea to, to, to say, like I said, uh, it's probably not a good idea to have sex before marriage simply because of several reasons. One being that very thing. Look, God uh, forbids it for a very good reason because as you've heard, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a joining of a body and mind with people who, who are non-covenant, who are not, who are not prepared. Uh, for to be, if you're if you're going to have sex with someone, you'd be ready to be to be you know to have uh, the rest of of the story, and that doesn't happen always. You know that that rarely happens. But be it, be that as it may, though, uh, Amber, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm, I appreciate you hanging with me because I'm, I'm I'm trying to make a point that's I think very important for people to re- recognize in seeing just how corrupt Zenos's authority really is. Um, for people to, 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 for, to so totally castigate you as this sinful, horrible reprobate who's not, who's not repentant enough to stop doing these things, as opposed to being merciful enough to realize, look, you've fallen into sin. We need to talk about this. We need to, we, you need to understand why you shouldn't be doing this from scripture and do it in a loving manner, in a, in a caring manner. I would like to think that if people did that, that people would, would tend to understand why they should stop doing what they do. Because then, ultimately, it's your own—it's it's your choice. It's your responsibility. But mm-hmm. but, that, but that isn't that's that's completely alien to Xenos. It's it's this is the way it is, and you shouldn't do it. And by golly, if you do, you're you're going to pay the price. And that's what you ended up doing. And that's what yeah. anybody does who, who suffers this way. I can't even imagine being having my 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 sex life with my with my boyfriend dragged out before a bunch of people who who have nothing to do with it who aren't even covenant with you. Right. I mean, but that that sort of thing happens all the time. There's, there, I'm sure there's house. I'm sure there's there's ministry houses meeting for since. Time immemorial where where this sort of thing is dragged out, and 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 men and women are reduced to tearful terror mm-hmm. by, by being understood. You, you, look, you're on the line. You're about to be cast into hell, even though you're still going to be alive. So uh, and again, I, I appreciate your 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 your, your bearing with you, but that to me says so much about how heartless and how ungodly and how basically anti-Christian. Dino says, it's not that I'm sitting here defending the right to have sex before marriage. I'm saying, I'm saying there, there's, there, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there's a need to understand that when people fail, you don't crush them. You don't swat right. them like they're a fly, like they mean nothing. And, and that's what you, that's what, from what I understand, you know, that was the, the, I mean, you can pick up the story from here, but that's what basically happened to you. They, they felt that like you just weren't, you weren't repentant enough and so therefore you you didn't deserve any of god's mercy exactly um and like honestly it was very difficult to be in front of all those people for two and a half hours especially through like 
could pick up the vibe very easily that it was going to go in the wrong way. And then from the moment that I left that chair in the center to I had to go outside and sit on the stairs while everyone voted, I already knew how the vote was going to go. I could just, you could tell by the way the room was. And I just sobbed because I knew, and I'm sorry, I'm going to cry, but I knew that I was going to lose my friends, all my friends that I had. Yeah, yeah. And that that is honestly the hardest part is that that's the end of Matthew 18 that they like to stick to. You have to feel basically how disgusting you are to them. Yeah. To be repentant. Um, you have to be ostracized and kicked out to feel that weight of losing everything. And it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks because like the one friend that I still talk to, like we just kind of had like a heart to heart for the first time in a long time. And I spoke my mind, but everyone else it's it, nothing like I don't talk to anyone else and I spent years with those people like and it's just like I'm gross or something yeah. yeah and it's really just not cool it's not loving like I literally constantly think how how are you good Christians following Christ supposedly saying these things, doing these things to people. And when the greatest commandment is love, this is not loving. This is, it it really is devastating to people. And it makes me really sad. Like I'm, I'm well over a lot of it now. Like I've moved past it. It's probably the best thing that ever happened to me being out of that church now. And being able to be an advocate for other people trying to leave. Because I know, like, the people that I do know obviously are never going to say that there are people trying to leave. But just by the numbers and the counts that just continuously go down and down and down or dwell, it's obvious that they're kind of siphoning people. And so the people that do need help that are going to feel the same way as me, on their own, like nothing, like lost all their friends. Yeah. I, it makes me really sad. And if I can help prevent somebody from experiencing that, that's kind of why I wanted to even do this because it it's the worst pain yeah. to kind of have that ripped out from under you. Um, right. Really right. hard to deal with. So if you can kind of step out in a more positive way, trying to retain any friendship you may want to keep, it's definitely a better way to do it. Right, exactly. So as this evening wound down and the vote was cast, and apparently you were at the full weight of Xenos' disciplinary action resting upon your neck, Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I would assume that at that point that they, they were told you, you were going to be excommunicated. You're actually going to be thrust out and fellowship cut off. Correct. So what, where do, where do you go with, where does anyone go with that? I mean, where did you go with, what happened to you after that? I mean, what, 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 what was the next step after that for you? 
they tell you in your discipline meeting that you can take steps to come back. And if you do these certain things, mine was like meet with my discipler, read this thing with them and write my experience and how I have come to repentance. If I did all those things, I could come back, which is just whatever. But anyway, that's, that's what they tell me told me they told me they voted me mm. voted to remove me they don't say excommunicate they say remove from fellowship um and that those were my criteria and basically like i i can't even remember if they prayed or not but if they did that would be counterintuitive but <laughs> i left the room just i just walked out and people tried to walk with me and I just walked straight to my car didn't say a word and I went to Colin's parents house um, because they live really close by and I I just since my parents were far away their home kind of became like a home to me as well and at this point Colin and I are engaged and I'm over at his parents house a lot so go over there he's there too because he's living there at the time and I just like cried and cried and cried and the next I don't remember if it was the next day I think it was I was able to move in to Colin's sister's house with her so I I planned to wait like a week but after having that I just I couldn't do it so I just immediately moved in I I left right away because it it was too much I couldn't they didn't tell me to leave like I I could have stayed for a little bit until I got situated but you pretty much have to figure it out you have to find a new place to live as soon as you as soon as you can um you don't you're not welcome anywhere you can't go to like house meeting or home church or CT or whatever you can't go to anything you are no longer a part of it that's just the end yeah, yeah. So, um, Colin, uh, Colin's family, and obviously, were far more supportive of you than <laughs> Xenos was, and they were all still in Xenos at this point, right? Yes. So, how did they reconcile this treatment of you in a ministry house or in a house, a, a home church meeting, to their continued? Their continued activate, their continued uh, involvement with it. I mean, I mean, uh, did were you at any point ever worried about perhaps you know maybe Colin and them all just saying, oh, well, you know, this this is too heavy. We we stop this. You know, we can't be involved with this. We can't we can't be seen as as countenancing sin. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not, not mean to put them on the spot, but you know, mm-hmm. what were their feelings about all this? Well, Colin at the time. Like I said, he was kind of checked out all the way. So he was like, you're about to be my wife. Like, we're not going to, like, I'm going to be with you. Like, he he didn't hesitate to that. His okay. parents, they were in the church. But I think seeing that happen to me was really difficult especially his mom, I think it really kind of was one of the catalysts for her to actually eventually decide to leave herself. 
um, she experienced something with like bad things happened with um, Colin's sister. So she is not in the church anymore. And then this happened with us. And then also something happened with um, Sean and Cindy or their names. They um, had their own kind of problem within their own home churches. So it all kind of came to a head for them. Late, like not too long after that, I think that seeing this treatment of me um, was kind of a spur as well as like an eye-opening thing because mm. then Colin and I kind of started to be honest about like what goes on in the college group because apparently it's a lot different than the adult group for how they've seen and just hearing us and our stories of like the dating thing or how I was treated or just whatever it was. There was a lot of stories and they, they would just be like, what, how that happens? Like just very confused. And so it challenged a lot of what they knew for Xenos dwell and they eventually decided to leave because of all of it. Um, yeah. I I never, and I felt like a part of their family at that point. And so I knew that none of them were going to choose to just like steer clear from me because of any of that. Yeah. I mean, you felt free to go to them afterwards. Right. I mean, obviously there's, there's a connection and there's family. There's, there's, there's a clear sense of that. Uh, I, I commend them for that and, and that, that you had that. I'm so grateful you had that. That uh, safe haven to get to, you know, to lick your wounds if, if, if for anything worse. But mm-hmm. a lot of people who leave the hospital get ravaged that way. Don't find that, do they? they, no. they their support system, the whole world is completely torn out from from under them completely. Yep. Yeah. It's very much like that, and it, that is something that I'm really grateful for. Like, and it, I had a lot of support from a lot of people. Um, and my sister and my parents, they were also really supportive and all that, too. It, it's just, yeah, a lot of people don't get that. and It's really sad and unfortunate. And that's why I said, like, if you can avoid just having your whole life rocked, then try to do that if you're still in dwell. If you, okay, we'll speak to that for just a minute. What would you say to people who are still in and are contemplating leaving? How would you recommend they actually pursue it? I mean, there's so many different ways people feel that, you know, they can disassociate themselves. But one of the most powerful things that, 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 that militate against that is that they're conditioned by the mind control and by the, and by the culture of, of Xenos that you need to confess. You need to go to somebody. You need to spill the beans. You need to cut. I mean, that's a, a, a very powerful, I mean, foundational, um, um, indoctrination that a lot of people just follow and and submit to and then, and then they become they then become uh, the victims of all the religious abuse that that Zenos can heap on people uh mm-hmm. simply for being human we're not, and I'm not, I'm not like I said I'm not excusing you know sinful behavior sin should be confessed should be repented of and lived beyond but when people fail Jesus said, I'm your advocate. Come to me. I'll take, I, I, I will take that upon myself. But that's not what Xenos apparently wants you to hear or believe or, or live by. 
So with all that said, I'm, I'm starting to preach now again. Um, um, what would you say to people who are there who are, are right now listening to this, who may be on the, on, on the fence? Uh, but I really realized, you know, I need to, I need to put this behind me. You know, uh, this is something I just feel like I have. What would you say? What would be the next steps you think for people who, who want to leave? What should they do? I would first say that intuition is a very powerful thing that you can feel things are wrong a lot of times before you have to make an action about them. And so if you're considering to leave, it's not easy. It's not a walk in the park. It feels very difficult. Um, but also Xenos Dwell is not the only community. It's not the only place to be. It's not the only church. It's not the only place that follows God. That is not true. Um, it They like to make you think that is true, but it's not. Um, so in an effort to distance yourself from that, you kind of have to do exactly that. Get your ducks in a row on your own. You are an adult. You can make your own choices. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. But it, you have to kind of set yourself up for success. Get yourself a community. There is, there's plenty of us who are out of the church who have stories to tell and open arms, um, to hold you, hug you, whatever you need to have. We, we are a big group of people who have come together through similar circumstances and so it's really nice to have a community of people that understands what you're dealing with in a different way than other people do and so yeah I would just say get yourself support what you're thinking and what you're feeling is not satan is not um like the devil trying to control your brain um it's your thoughts it's your thinking you have a conscience and you can make decisions based on that conscience I like, your- that. I like that. that's really good to hear that satan that 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 the negative thoughts or, or or contrary thoughts to what you've been told to do aren't of the devil are yeah. Satan. They may just be just you feeling like this is what I need to do to make things right in my in my own life. Yeah. So, so that's this, a long answer, but <laughs> that's a great <laughs> answer. It's a great answer. Love it. I mean, this is what people need to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, for someone who's been where you are, they need yeah. to hear that you know there is life beyond this. It, this you know it, it isn't all the end. Even though I, I even though. God, God bless you. I'm sure you were, were led to believe that way. Yeah. You know, being, being looked upon by, by, you know, how many pairs of eyes looking at you as this, as this sinful, you know, little, little, uh, tart, for lack of a better word. Um, for you to be able to understand that, that you had, you did have a future. You did have a life to go back to. So I'm so, so grateful that, were, that your fan, that, that Colin and his family were there for you because so many young men and women don't have that. And it, it reduces them to rubble. 
and and and, and for, for those who are out there listening, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You you're listening. I know there's people listening who are going to feel that they that they they have no place out. They they don't have an out. Mm-hmm. They don't have a way. They don't have a way of looking beyond the next the next day, uh, just seeing a future at all. But you mentioned that that there is a future. There mm-hmm. is a there is hope. There is there is a way to find us, and and it's, it's great to hear. So, what were your next steps beyond that? And uh, as you sadly had to deal with this horrible ripping of your soul, uh, but you came into very again very very uh, um, supportive, you know, loving family who who, who wanted to, to you lift you up. What was the next steps? What happened to you after that? How did you move beyond all that? It was a lot of processing. Um, like I'm three and a half ish years out now, and I feel like I've just come to new revelations in the past few months. Just a lot of processing how I've like grew up my whole life coming into my own. I felt like a people pleaser for all of my life, and I didn't have any people to please anymore. <laughs> so. Right. That was something that I really worked on a lot was just becoming myself and really what I believed and trying to process everything that happened because I was only 23. And so I was just a brand new, like, person, (laughs) barely an adult for that long. (laughs) So I was like, what do I actually think? What do I actually believe? And then it's also right when COVID started. And so I had a lot of time to just kind of process things about what I really wanted for my life and like talking with Colin about things and just processing how we were going to move forward. And we currently don't go to a church. Um, Mm -hmm. We both still believe in God, um, but it's just a kind of still a difficult and traumatic thing for church going. Like, um, it's not easy. So that's still something where I'm working through and yeah, just processing everything really is the biggest thing. Right, right. So you've arrived at a point where you feel that uh, you're in, you're on a journey, mm-hmm. and, and you're moving through uh, a new way of understanding yourself and discovery. And um, so for so for that reason, you know, like I said, I think that's one of the reasons why you said that as, as we were sharing, as we were as we were talking before we started this, is that one of the things you want to do is is help make things easier to help those who feel like 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 they can't be in a place like Zion anymore. To move beyond it and go and, and leave without it, you know. And we can talk all you want to about the theology, and we can talk all you want to, which is something that you know Dennis McCallum and all of his other um, uh, his star chamber there would love to do. They would they would love to get into uh, an intellectual make make a defense of, of Zenos as an, an intellectual thing, mm-hmm. but but uh, Zenos is sufficiently. Uh, big enough and tough enough to to also take this sort of um, of examination, and that that it's it's not what it cracks itself up to be. Anyone anyone can can parse all the Greek you want to. You can sound as as cutting edge as you want, but when you don't love people, 
First Corinthians 13 makes it very clear. You don't love someone. If you have, you can do all these wonderful things. You, you, you can, you can have all these degrees. You can have all these, uh, all these great apologies of the, of the Christian faith. You can have all the summer institutes you want. You can have all the people clogging your meetings and, and making you feel like you're like, like you are the great expositor of the day at your, at your central teaching times. But if you, if you don't love the people that you're talking to, if you don't model that love through the, through the care that you should be giving people who are struggling, if you don't love and enough to forgive people as Jesus is, then, then the Bible says you are nothing. Mm-hmm. You are, your, your, your spirituality is bogus. It's worthless. And it's that kind of system that Xenos really is about. And it's, it's what we feel needs to be shared. And it's something that I believe you've, um, you've wanted to do all you can to help people, you know, caught between the gears to see, to get themselves out of. So, so as you're on the journey, uh, any, perhaps any final thoughts as we bring our, uh, any, anything else to close or any, any final observations or things you'd like to share about that? Cause, uh, uh, we, we, we always make our time here available as we, as we end our podcast to our guests to, for them to kind of share what they'd like to, you know, and, and maybe there's people out there you maybe you'd like to pass along a word to, uh, who are going to be listening to this, uh, for posterity, you know, so, uh, what, is there anything that you perhaps you, any other additional things you'd like to share or say or observations, uh, as, as we, as we wind down here? Yeah, actually, um, first, I, like I said earlier, I'm not one to love the spotlight. So doing something like this is not in some way vain or something like that. It's specifically, like you said, I want to help people. I want to be a part of making somebody realize or helping somebody to realize that they can get out they can have an out they are able to leave um that is a big point and i just want to make that super clear right it there is life beyond as well and um yeah i i'm welcoming of any questions comments concerns if anybody wants to reach out to me and let me know uh, that is fine you can reach out to me and i will be available um i can chat about whatever answer questions and all that stuff and i was really in the thick of it and really entrenched and now i'm really not so i've had kind of the full spectrum of it all um and i'm willing to talk with anybody about it if they would like Okay, awesome. And that's what's so needed. People who are willing to listen mm-hmm. with a non-judgmental ear and, and, and feel the questions, you know, um, I'm, and that's what's really all about. I mean, I, I, in the end, there's a lot I can say about Xenos, a lot I can, I can write about, a lot I can say, but ultimately I haven't lived this hell that you and Colin have had to deal with. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, that, you know, you both have come through, uh, your eyes totally on each other. Uh, your, your, I mean, your, your, your desire towards God still intact. 
uh, church and everything else. Oh, that you, I mean, you'll you'll figure that all out. I'm, I'm, I'm certain God will. God has no shortage of ways of speaking to people, and mm-hmm. and, and He knows how to lead people along. So uh, I'm certain uh, He will lead you. That He is leading you. That I am I am pretty sure about. But for those of you who are out there in in Xenos uh, dwell who still uh, would like that, that kind of advocation. Hey, they are available. I mean, and I, I know I speak for Collins. Well, Collins said the same thing, basically. You know, so um, if you have an email you'd like to ask for a forward on, you can send it to help at spearwatch.org. Uh, you send us an email, we'll immediately turn around and send it right back out to uh, to uh, Amber and Colin, and then, then at that point, uh, you can take it up with them. So we just. We just want to be uh, a facilitator of, of a message that life does indeed a start and there is life beyond uh, a place like Xenos. And I'm so grateful that you came along to share with that today. So um, once again, Amber, thank you for coming on. Uh, we look forward to having you perhaps in the future in other, other, other projects. And uh, once again, um, I'm so grateful that you shared what is truly a, a, a just a horribly difficult time in your life to to actually help and bring peace to other people. Thank you for helping out today, and thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened, and if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night, or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. You just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth, even when I lie.